You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back, Buffalo Bills fans. It's Matt Warren, editor-in-chief at BuffaloRumlings.com and the host of Buffalo Rumlings Q&A on the Buffalo Rumlings Podcast Network. Before we get into my thoughts on the 2021 NFL Draft, I wanted to remind you you could send in your questions for future episodes at 716-508-0405. You can leave us a voicemail or text that number. Again, it's 716-508-0405. You can tweet us at RumlingsQ&A on Twitter. That's with the word and spelled out in the middle. Our email address is buffalorumlings at sbnation.com. You can send us questions on Facebook and Instagram as well to the official Buffalo Rumlings accounts. Just like a lot of other weeks, you can also leave questions in the comments section over at buffalorumlings.com. And a lot of those are going to be used in today's episode in particular, and you'll see why in a second. But the Buffalo Bills completed their 2021 NFL draft. No big trade up, no big swing, really. Um, a lot of these players are developmental players. It's you know just a mindset shift for us, and I tweeted that several times on Thursday and Friday that it really is a mindset shift for Buffalo Bills fans where we're not drafting for immediate impact and immediate upgrade. We're drafting more about you know building the franchise for the long term, about guys that are going to contribute you know maybe in the playoffs of their rookie season as opposed to week one of their rookie season. So um, it, I was pretty pleased with who the Bills came out of the NFL draft with. I'll just start there. Um, getting two defensive ends in the first two rounds was unexpected. But for a guy like me who's been complaining about the pass rush for years now, um, it, it's really hard for me to, again, then turn around and say, well, they shouldn't have got two pass rushers this year. You know, I've been complaining about it for so long that you know, just because the Bills have spent you know their top two picks this year, their top pick last year, and their top pick the year before that on the pass rush and defensive line, like they're doing what I want them to do. They're addressing the pass rush, and so it's hard for me to complain. I was kind of surprised that they drafted two developmental offensive tackles, but at least I can see the future of that position. Say Daryl Williams leaves in a year, Spencer Brown, the third-round pick, walks into that right tackle job or works his way into it, and then they have their fifth-round pick, Doyle, who can be their backup swing tackle, right tackle, uh, for the foreseeable future. So, it, again, good long-term planning. Um, and then in the sixth round, they drafted three players and another player in the seventh round as their, what a lot of folks are calling, priority undrafted free agents. You know, they, they brought guys in that they wanted another look at that they didn't have all the information on that they wanted but all of them are guys that can make the roster as well and so it's um it was a really intriguing class i liked it a lot um and i think your opinion of the draft really centers down on 
where he wanted the bills to address and what I guess what position groups you felt were priorities if you were someone that wanted them to address the cornerback position with you know a second or third round pick you're disappointed and I know my man Bruce Nolan's disappointed um, I'm questioning that a little bit but at least see the plan you know the bills I'm never going to mock a cornerback to the Buffalo Bills again. I put my hand up right now. Um, until Tredavious White is gone, I'm not going to mock another first or second round cornerback to the Bills. Because if any of the years was the year for it to happen, it's this one. Levi Wallace is on a one-year deal. You know, Your backstop after that is Dane Jackson, last year's seventh round pick. And the Bills still didn't pull the trigger on a high cornerback. And so they just feel like they can make it work over there. Um, and I don't blame them. They've been able to make it work. I mean, it hasn't been stellar. They weren't able to match up against the Chiefs really well because of their lackluster cornerback play last year. But, you know, whatever. That's fine. Um, I'm just I'm not going to mock a cornerback to the Bills anymore. And, you know, that's on me. I picked Asante Samuel Jr. for the Bills. Uh, but they went with pass rusher. And I, it's hard to blame them for that when um, you can at least see what they're going to be doing with that pass rush um, for the foreseeable future. So, uh Anyway, uh, the, the topic of today's podcast, uh, we've had plenty of guys break down the draft. Anthony Marino did breakdowns after every pick, and you know I'm sure there's going to be more on the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network over the rest of this week. What I'm going to do today is talk about my first 53-man roster projection that I put out on Buffalo Rumblings on Monday morning. It's way too early for this. You know The Bills are going to sign free agents probably now that the draft has concluded. They're going to make some trades probably this offseason. You know, the roster is going to look a lot different on September 1st than it does on May 1st. But I'm still going through the process. It gives us kind of this jumping off point, this conversation starter for the rest of the offseason. So I wanted to go through my roster projection for the Buffalo Bills. And we'll start at quarterback. Uh, I had the Bills keeping three this year. Traditionally, they haven't done that. They did it last year. But I think the reason that they're going to keep three this year is because of Mitch Trubisky's one-year deal. And because they assume he's going to be gone a year from now, and I assume he's going to be gone a year from now, they want Jake Fromm to be that developmental guy going forward to maybe be Josh Allen's long-term backup. So I kept Jake Fromm on the roster instead of cutting him, um, and I did cut Davis Webb. So the Bills kept three quarterbacks. At the running back position, I kept uh, Matt Breida, Taiwan Jones, Zach Moss, and Devin Singletary cutting Christian Wade and Antonio Williams. I don't really see the benefit of keeping Wade or Williams on the roster when Breida gives a lot different skill set than Moss and Singletary, and Taiwan Jones is your dedicated special teams guy. Um, he plays so many special team snaps that it's important that he is on the roster. At, at wide receiver, I kept six, just like they did last year. Emmanuel Sanders subs for John Brown and Marquez Stevenson, uh, the Bills' six-round pick, subs for Andre Roberts. Now, I did toy with the idea of keeping Isaiah Hodgins over Isaiah McKenzie, uh, but ultimately... You know, this is what they decided to do last year, so I just kept status quo. Um, Stevenson becomes your primary returner, replacing Roberts, who was your primary returner, and Emmanuel Sanders replaces John Brown in the offense. So this is what they did last year. I'm just assuming they're going to carry it over to this year. But again, I did toy with the idea of keeping Isaiah Hodgins over Isaiah McKenzie. At the tight end position, 
Uh, there was a point in time where I only had three guys at the position as opposed to four, uh, but ultimately I kept Reggie Gilliam on the roster. Um, he was one of those last guys on the roster and mainly, again, for special teams. Um, so Reggie Gilliam, Jacob Hollister, Dawson Knox, and Tommy Sweeney cutting Nate Becker. Offensive tackle, I kept four of them. I released Bobby Hart, the free agent addition from this offseason, and kept Spencer Brown and Tommy Doyle, Deion Dawkins, and Daryl Williams. At the interior offensive line, uh, really, it was really difficult for me to do this because Brandon Bean has talked about upgrading the offensive line. And at the interior, I just kept the same five guys as last year. And, I mean, it just came down to this. Ike Bucker, they signed as a restricted free agent. Um, they wanted him enough to offer him that elevated salary instead of trying to get him on the veteran minimum. Um, John Feliciano re-signed this offseason, so he's not going anywhere. Cody Ford's not going anywhere. And Mitch Morris isn't going anywhere this offseason. So those four guys, and then you're looking at Ryan Bates and how versatile he is. He's just a nice guy to have around in case you have some injuries at multiple positions. So... That made me get rid of Forrest Lamp, um, Jordan Devy, uh, Jameel Douglas, and Jack Anderson, the Bills' seventh-round pick. Um, I, I wanted to keep Lamp or Anderson as a developmental player. Uh, Lamp is p- a potential upgrade over the guys the Bills had last year. I just don't necessarily see where that happens. Now, maybe it's Ike Bucker, and they replace him with Lamp. Um, or maybe Cody Ford takes a big step this offseason and they feel comfortable releasing Butker to keep a developmental guy in Jack Anderson. I really don't know, but I, it was hard for me to not upgrade at that interior offensive line. So now, the I mean, if, if I'm going by this nine-man offensive line, the only people I've subbed out are Ty and Secchi's gone and you have a new offensive tackle uh, back up. So, I mean, it's it doesn't feel like an upgrade on the offensive line, uh, but that's just kind of how I settled it out. For defensive line, I combined the defensive ends and the defensive tackle position. Um, I had Mario Addison, Carlos Basham, Vernon Butler, A.J. Epinesa, Jerry Hughes, Starla Tulele, Ed Oliver, and Greg Rousseau as my eight defensive linemen. Uh, That means I'm cutting defensive ends Brian Cox, Daryl Johnson, Mike Love, F.A. Obata, and defensive tackles, Brandon Bryant, Harrison Phillips, and Justin Zimmer. With how much nickel the Bills run and how many players have that defensive end, defensive tackle um, versatility, or even one-tech and three-tech versatility, uh, Buffalo only went with one true one-tech on their roster this offseason, um, at least on my projection, and that's Starla Tulele. Uh, Phillips is the last guy off my roster, um, and I really did not like doing that, but... Uh, it's They want to improve the defensive line, and I don't think he's one of the top eight players on their defensive line. So that means they're keeping nine defensive linemen just to keep a defensive tackle that might play 15% of the snaps or 10% of the defensive snaps. Last year he played 31% of the defensive snaps, and that was with Star Latulale not even on the roster. So he's not going to get those one-tech snaps. So, I mean, you're going to keep him on the roster to be inactive on game day maybe play 10 to 15% of the snaps, be an insurance policy for low to Lele's return from the COVID-19 list and being away for a year. I just don't see, you know, if star is in game shape, there's no reason to keep Harrison Phillips around. If your one tech is only going to play 30% of the snaps anyway. So that's, you know, a very 
big shift in the philosophy of this team. But Vernon Butler kicking over from three tech to one tech sometimes. Um, Ed Oliver playing the one tech, especially on passing downs. You've got Greg Rousseau, Carlos Basham, Mario Addison, AJ Epinesa. All those guys can have um, some defensive tackle rotations, especially on passing downs. You know, with the Bills play nickel so much that it just makes sense um, to have more players that can play defensive tackle than just one tech guys in Harrison Phillips and Star Latulale. So I had Harrison Phillips on the chopping block, and that's going to be. You know, that's going to be a, a point of contention and conversation over the course of this summer. At linebacker, I went with six, uh, Terrell Adams, Terrell Dodson, Tremaine Edmonds, A.J. Klein, Tyler Matikiewicz, and Matt Milano. Pretty status quo from last year. Uh, they did have Andre Smith on the roster last year. Uh, but uh, I just like what Tyrell Dodson can do as a developmental linebacker. Um, I like Adams as that kind of veteran backup. Uh, I Tyler Matikiewicz has a huge role on special teams, and they extended him this offseason. So those are the six that I went with. At cornerback, I went with six. I was able to keep Rashad Wild Goose Jr. on the roster. Buffalo hasn't usually kept six cornerbacks, but um, they don't have a fifth tackle on the roster, and so they have this kind of wiggle room roster spot for a developmental guy that I like in Wild Goose Jr. And with so many questions, like I don't want Saran Neal playing cornerback necessarily, uh, or boundary cornerback, maybe I should say. Um, you know, they have Trey White, Levi Wallace, and Dane Jackson. Those are only three outside corners. So keeping Wild Goose on the roster, um, it, it really came down to Harrison Phillips and um, and Wild Goose. And I wanted the cornerback and the special teams ability. Um, if you want to put Cam Lewis in there instead of Wild Goose, that's fine with me too. Uh, both of them can serve as developmental prospects. I don't care which one you want to put on there. At safety, DeBar Hamlin makes the team one of the Bills' six-round draft picks as the developmental safety. Uh, Jaquan Johnson moves up into the Dean Marlowe backup safety role, and you have Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde, the best safety duo in the league. Uh, Josh Thomas gets cut, and then for your specialists, it's just straight chalk. Tyler Bass, Reed Ferguson, Matt Hawk as your three specialists. So, again, that's over at buffalorumblings.com if you want to read it, if you prefer you know, reading that stuff. I know I usually like to see that visually as well. And I laid out um, the depth chart as it stands right now without undrafted free agents but with all of the draft picks in there. When we come back from this quick break, I'm going to go through all the questions that I got on my 53-man roster projections, so don't go anywhere. <laughs> let's start with questions about the offense we're over at rumblings q and a uh p mart Supermart asks us would there still be a need to have a third qb on the roster and the reason i kept the third quarterback on the roster when the bills have traditionally gone with two quarterbacks is that trubisky's here on a one-year deal that's it um if the bills cut jake Fromm. You know, are they going to be able to get him back on the practice squad? Probably. Um, and so maybe that's your play. Maybe your play is release Jake Fromm, put him on the practice squad. But they didn't do that last year. And I'm just intrigued by the fact that they didn't do it a year ago and why they would do it now. Like, what's the change? What's the difference? Why, why would we be doing that? So uh, th that's the question that I'm going to ask in response to that is what changed from a year ago that would put him from on the roster to off the roster. And so if he's going to be your long-term backup quarterback, 
I don't know why you're releasing him and trying to stick him on your uh, practice squad. Moving to the running back position, Mark Stopa asks us, um, I'll be interested to read camp reports on whether Brita can challenge Singletary for playing time. Moss's role seems locked as the big back, but I think Brita has an opening if he can shine. Uh, maybe, but the Bills have only kept three running backs active on game days. And so that's Zach Moss and Devin Singletary and then Taiwan Jones, the special teams player. The only time we really saw... Um, Oh, why can't I think of his name? TJ Yeldon um, on the Bills active roster in 2020 was when there was an injury to one of those top three guys. So I don't even if he pushes him, you know, in the minds and hearts of Bills fans, I don't know if Brita can actually push him for time on the active roster. Uh, Tim Ragsdale asks us, I think Hodgins makes the team just my gut talking. I can't argue with your predictions. Yeah, that was a tough one for me, and I think that would be a one-to-one swap. Um, I actually talked about this with Dan Lavoy over at buffalorunglings.com in our Slack channel, and he said, you know, the Bills were pretty successful last year without a tall receiver, and that's what Hodgins brings to the team. Um, if it's just that one-to-one swap, if you're swapping Stevenson in for Andre Roberts and he's not going to be playing any role on the offense, then keeping McKenzie on the offense to do the jet sweep stuff makes sense. Now, if you're going to plan to load up Stevenson's plate with all the stuff that Isaiah McKenzie's already doing, plus do all of those returns, then you can find a way to get Hodgins onto the roster. But, um, you know, Isaiah McKenzie doesn't have a whole lot of experience returning kickoffs. Um, he fumbled a lot when he was the punt returner a few years ago. That's why the Bills went out and got Andre Roberts is because they weren't comfortable with Isaiah McKenzie returning kicks. So keeping Stevenson on to return kicks makes sense. Kicks and punts uh, makes sense. If he can supplant McKenzie's role in the offense, that's the bigger question, I think. So thanks for your question over on Twitter, Tim. Jack Nealon on Twitter says, Williams can play offensive guard, Daryl Williams. Uh, Bates and Ford can play OT, I guess. Um, think we keep Lamp and Ike is cut, unfortunately. Does the offensive line roster projection change depending on who is and if we have a lead running back? We went to more of a zone scheme with Moss last year, right? don't know what offensive linemen are better in zone well I don't think it changes much because they re-signed all the guys that were here last year so they knew what they got in Ike Bucker and John Feliciano and they still brought those guys back Um, so I don't know if it necessarily changes now they did get some athletic tackles in the draft but I don't think those guys are going to play this year god willing so if you're saying that like John Feliciano can snap and Daryl Williams can go into right guard now you're changing bunch of positions based on you know one injury or you know one guy shifting around I think Butker would be the most likely candidate to be uh, released at the end of the offseason to make room for Lamp I just I think they value Butker more than they value Lamp because they signed Buck they tendered Butker at a higher contract than they gave to Lamp and so it's just following the numbers right now Um, but if they are looking for an upgrade, if they are looking for a change, I do think that that change would be the change to make. Subbing Lamp in for Ike Butker. Thanks for your question. Oh. Scanning the comments section over at buffalorumblings.com. Mack Truck brought up Christian Wade as well, possibly surprising during the preseason uh, to push for a roster spot in place of Matt Breida or Taiwan Jones. I really don't see him passing Taiwan Jones because of how many special team snaps 
Jones plays, as good as Christian Wade is and as good as his athleticism is, you know, being a special teams player is about a heck of a lot more than just raw talent and ability. And it requires a lot of football IQ that Christian Wade just can't possibly have after only being in football for a couple of years. Um, if he's going to make the roster, it's ahead of Matt Breida. And I don't foresee that as very likely either. Breida, of course, has a lot of NFL experience. Christian Wade, we haven't seen him since the preseason two years ago. We didn't have open practices this year. We didn't have any preseason games in 2020. So I just don't see how you could think that Christian Wade is any better than he was a year ago because we haven't seen that. So I just find that highly unlikely, especially because he has a third year of eligibility in the International Pathway Program. It's a guaranteed extra spot on the practice squad. I don't see that as a possibility. Uh, he also thinks that there's a possibility Marquez Stevenson could supplant Isaiah McKenzie. I talked about that a little bit already. Um, I just, it, it really is going to depend on whether they want to keep the height of Isaiah Hodgins or they want to put more on Stevenson's plate and have him be that jet sweep guy that Isaiah McKenzie has been in the past. And it really is going to come down to how he transitions to the NFL. Juski said, I doubt the Bills cut Davis Webb. He is more than a practice arm. From what I read, he is more of a coaching assistant and a very important asset. Yeah, that's true, but they cut him last year. So just going back on past precedent, you know, you can say that, but they cut him last year and they kept him on the practice squad. One crazy dude over in the comments section said, I think they might cut Gilliam or Sweeney in favor of a seventh receiver. I feel like our receiver group is stacked with talent and not so great at tight end why force the situation when the seventh wide receiver would see more time on the field than the fourth tight end i mean that's not wrong uh if you look at reggie gilliam he played 81 snaps on offense that was only eight percent of the team's offensive snaps but he played 42 percent of their special team snaps which was, what, eighth or ninth on the team. So he played a lot of special teams snaps, and that's what the role that they kept for him. Uh, if you look at the other tight ends on the roster, Dawson Knox, uh, 45% of the snaps. Tyler Croft, 27%. Lee Smith, 16% of the snaps. Um, maybe that third tight end you could get away with. I wouldn't necessarily have it be Gilliam. I would say Sweeney. Uh, would get the axe, and then you can put one of those athletic tight ends in as your sixth offensive lineman if you want that. Uh, but um, So if you want to take Tommy Sweeney off and put a seventh wide receiver in, you can. But let's take a look at the seventh wide receiver in 2020. Andre Roberts was the sixth wide receiver as far as offensive snaps were concerned. He played 62 snaps, 6%. That's less than Reggie Gilliam. Uh, Jake Kumaro played 17 offensive snaps. Uh, Duke Williams played four. Even if you add six, seven, and eight together, you just barely get to the number of snaps that Reggie Gilliam played. So and that's, of course, way lower than the amount of snaps that Lee Smith played. So you can see that even though the, the Bills might use a lot of four-receiver and five-receiver sets, they had a lot more plays for the fourth tight end or the third tight end slash H-back, Reggie Gilliam, than they did for you know the sixth and seventh wide receiver 
on their roster. So I'm just not convinced that the Bills are going to go to seven wide receivers. They haven't shown that they're going to do that last year, the year before that, the year before that. They haven't done that. And keeping seven wide receivers is a lot when you can plop a guy on you know the practice squad uh, to bring up, especially if they change the practice squad rules. So I'm not convinced that they're going to keep seven wide receivers. I think that would be very, very, very odd uh, in the way that you know the 53-man roster is constructed. So thanks for that question over in the comment section. Now, let's turn our attention to the defensive portion of my 53-man roster projection. Back over to Twitter. Hot in Arizona uh, says that I think our linebacker position is the weakest group on the roster. That may be true. They have two really, really talented linebackers and then a very solid veteran in A.J. Klein. Uh, so they go at least three deep. I like Terrell Dodson. I like um, the guys that they brought in this offseason. I, I think it's actually a really solid unit from top to bottom. Um, I'm more worried about the cornerback position being the weakest, honestly, uh, because they, they've proven that they can get by with the linebackers that they have and very talented depth. Um, they have not proven the same thing with the cornerbacks, so I'm going to go cornerback as the weakest position group. Uh, Whittle, 2K, asks us, I don't see how we only keep one big DT after we were so bad against the run. I see Butler being the odd man out since we picked up a tweener in Rousseau. I'm going to add Basham would probably be the more likely candidate to go inside to defensive tackle just based on his body structure. Butler already has a good chunk of his salary guaranteed for 2021. They paid him $2 million this offseason. Um, one and a half million of his three million, three and a half million dollar salary is already guaranteed for 2021. So it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Plus, he's proven to be position versatile. He played uh, one tech defensive tackle last year, and he's the guy that I am banking on as my star Latulale backup in this 53 man roster projection. So that's the reason that he's on there, and I would not get rid of him in favor of Harrison Phillips. I think Vernon Butler is a better player than Harrison Phillips. Bashi for three over in the comment section at buffalorumblings.com says, My guess is that they would keep Justin Zimmer over Vernon Butler. He was more productive and he's cheaper. But he also doesn't have the same one-tech versatility that Butler has. And so if you're cutting Harrison Phillips, as I said, you need to keep Butler on the roster to play backup one-tech uh, to rotate in with Star Latulale as your one-tech defensive tackle. That I don't think Justin Zimmer can do that. So it's about roster construction, not necessarily, you know, is this player better than that player? Um... Is Zimmer better than Harrison Phillips? Maybe. Uh, but it, does he provide any one-tech defensive tackle help? No. So that's why I put in Butler over Zimmer. Stratagem says that he thinks that the Bills will keep five defensive tackles again. I really don't see that. Uh, I don't see how they can justify keeping 10 defensive linemen. I just the numbers don't work out that way. If you're keeping five defensive ends, which I think they have to do uh, to get all of their rookies and young players on the roster with Addison and Hughes, it, unless they're trading Mario Addison and they would do that at the end of the summer, I just don't see how that's going to work um, to keep 10 defensive linemen. Another question about the defensive line. FC524 echoes a lot of other people. I think that the Bills are going to keep Obata over Addison, and I just don't see that either. Um, 
Brandon Bean raved about Addison's leadership in the post-draft press conference. It wasn't just lip service where, like, oh, we like Mario, we want him on the roster. It was effusive in his praise of Mario Addison's veteran leadership on his ability to kick inside and stay outside. Um, I, I just, I really don't think that they're going to trade Mario Addison, especially because of how much... Uh, well, let me rephrase that. I don't think they're going to cut Mario Addison because of how much guaranteed money they have on the books for him. If they can find a trade partner for him, say Mario Addison for Zach Ertz. You know, it's an even split for both sides. Whatever. That's that's one thing. But I don't see that happening, you know, in the next couple weeks, um, you know, unless something's already been worked out. So um, I just I do not think that they're going to get just jettison Mario Addison for nothing. Right now, I think they really like him as a player. Still in the comment section, uh, New Hampshire Bills fan says, I want to add two defensive linemen and subtract Matikiewicz and Dodson. Um, I don't see the Bills running with, um, what is it, 12 defensive linemen. Um, that's just, or 10 defensive linemen, excuse me. Um, that's a lot of resources along the defensive line, and I really don't see them going with four linebackers. So if you want to take out one linebacker and put in one defensive lineman, I guess I'm okay with that. Uh, but, I mean, going down to four linebackers when those are your core special teams guys and a lot of teams just doesn't make a heck of a lot of sense to me. That's going to do it for this supersized bonus episode following the 2021 NFL Draft, trying to sort of figure out how these guys are going to fit on the final 53-man roster. Um, right now, I only cut one of the draft picks, the seventh-round pick, uh, but several of them are you know, on the bubble. Wild Goose you know, for Cam Lewis at uh, cornerback, um, you know, just... Stevenson at uh, wide receiver and returner. You know, those guys could be off the roster fairly easily. I I, you know, I do think that um, the six-round safety has a nice chance of making it just because of the way that the roster shook out with Dean Marlowe leaving. So uh, thanks for sticking with me. Like I said, um, as always, you can call in your questions for next week's episode at 716-508-0405. You can tweet us at Rumlings Q&A with the word and spelled out in the middle. You can send us emails, buffalorumblings at sbnation.com. Facebook and Instagram messages to the official Buffalo Rumblings account will make their way to me. There are lots of ways to get in touch with the show, and I'd really encourage you uh, to leave your questions for next week's episode as we really get back to the all-question episodes uh, now Next, now that you know the NFL draft is over and we enter the offseason. Go Bills! More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.